0: Welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome back to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. My name is Sarah. Happy to connect with you this week. So this week, I have a really exciting episode to bring you We are going to be speaking with Kira Dugan and she is going to talk with us about Pandas Pans. She is a young person who has Pandas Pans and also an advocate raising awareness for the condition that completely changed her life. We have the opportunity to speak to experts and parents on the podcast at different times, but today I think it's gonna be really special to speak to somebody who has experienced this disorder and can bring that firsthand experience of what it's like to be working with all of the practitioners and how it's changed her life. And she's very passionate about bringing hope and helping and healing and empowering Pan's patients to educate themselves so that they can take back their own health and reclaim their life. And she's doing that as she's working through writing a blog, shine a light on Pandas, PantsPandas.wordpress.com. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and I'm very happy to have her on the podcast and welcome Kira Dugan to the podcast to share her experience about Pants. So welcome Kira to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today.
1: Thanks for having me on the podcast. I've learned so much from it. All right. Awesome.
0: So why don't we start with you providing a little bit about your background for listeners?
1: Well, I grew up living in the Midwest, growing up healthy, very social. I was involved in as many things as my parents would let me from soccer to speech and debate. Um, I was actually homeschooled and we had a big homeschool community in our area which I was really thankful for. Mm -hmm. I became interested early on in health when um, at the age of 12, I started getting migraines and we figured out they were caused from MSG and chocolate. Oh, wow. I also had a friend who um, had celiac disease and a significant dairy allergy. So I became aware of um, food sensitivities and allergies and that also helped me become interested in health and healthy eating. Um, And then from a young age, I've had so many interests. Um, I'm an animal lover, and I've always loved writing and reading and had the goal of publishing a book. Um, And then I love being outside in nature, and you can usually find me outside with a book in my hand and our dog in in my lap. So I'm 22 now, and I've had pans that started when I was 17, so for five years, um, though it took us a while to figure out what it was. Hmm. Hmm. I bet. And and that sounds great.
0: Um, in terms of uh, being outside with a book. Uh, yeah. Like a really, <laughs> I could just get a really great image there. Sounds nice. Um, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning. Um, you know that you have pans and that you've had it for five years. And I guess wanted to dig in a little bit more about that. How did you learn that you had PANS um, and was it difficult in terms of receiving the diagnosis? You kind of alluded to that a little bit, but if you can share a bit more, that would be great.
1: Sure. Yeah, it was a really difficult diagnosis to receive. For us, it took over three years to get the correct diagnosis, Mm. um, as well as over 50 doctors visits. Oh, wow. And I think the best way to answer this is to kind of tell a bit of my story. Um, so where it all started for me was in summer of 2018, I was 17 years old and had just gone to a summer camp in Tennessee. Mm. Um, and when staying at this college um, campus and dorm, unknown to us, it was a huge mold exposure. And I, we found this out later when a friend went back the following year and she said kids who were even semi sensitive to mold would walk in the building and have to run out cuz they were feeling so sick. Oh wow. Yeah. And I during that week I was presenting with symptoms of like severe insomnia where I just could not fall asleep. I was losing weight like rapidly. Like mm-hmm. within one week I lost 10 pounds and I was having ear and teeth pain, forgetting what I was trying to say or I would be walking somewhere and literally forgetting where I was supposed to be going hmm wow. and so within a week i came home and i still had the severe insomnia and i actually had symptoms of mania and psychosis which um a doctor friend of ours actually came out to the house and was able to confirm that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they had us go to the er because the symptoms just would not um benadryl wouldn't help ibuprofen wouldn't help nothing would make me go to sleep or calm down and so at the er they did like the normal blood draws mm-hmm. and they checked my system for drugs because with all these symptoms, that's what you would think. Um, mm-hmm. but, I, but they were all normal. And so then they referred me to the psychiatric care. And that's when they gave me the the diagnosis of bipolar based on my symptoms. Though, even at that time, the psychiatrist who was treating me, she actually had a daughter with bipolar and She thought my presentation was very atypical because she had been experienced with this and treating it for years. And my symptoms were so um, crazy um, that she thought there had to be a medical reason we just couldn't find. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, at the time, my primary care doctor and parents also agreed with that. So I was on psychiatric medications for a very short time, but had to get off due to the side effects they were causing me.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: then for the next 18 months, I was actually fine, symptom-free. I finished my senior year of high school. I was able to play soccer and do college classes um, in high school as dual credit. And throughout this time, we were testing hormones. We were testing thyroid. We tested like the MTHFR gene mutation. Mm -hmm. And we found out I actually had that and needed to supplement with b methylated b12 and folate we did like vitamin d testing and like a whole plethora of testing Mm -hmm. um i can go into that later if you want sure yeah um but then that this brings us to fall of 2019 so this was the 18 months later um from my first flare so i was doing really well in college till about a month after my 19th birthday and everyone in college was getting sick and Mm -hmm. my symptoms came back i had I had insomnia, mania, OCD behaviors where I would like be cleaning the bathroom or making lists and um, psychosis symptoms. And then I had been doing algebra at the time as a math class and problems I was able to do like days before I could no longer even comprehend how to do them. And looking at my um, handwriting, like from the day b- before or a few a week before, it became illegible um the handwriting deterioration Mm -hmm. and then another symptom with my flares was my eyes were like super dilated whenever I was in a flare so all these things were happening and we knew it was happening again but we just didn't know what it was Mm -hmm. so over the next few months I had multiple doctor's appointments blood tests um like a CT scan and my flares just kept getting worse and they would come and get and go and just um, we didn't know what was going on, none of the medications they were trying were working. And so, by January of 2020, I was so bad that we my parents took me to the best ER, the best hospital in our state, to try to find answers. Because at this time, we were basically desperate. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't been sleeping, I would go like days without sleeping, and like I was on like powerful sleep medications, and they were doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, the ER are did like the basic blood work they did um an EEG an EKG an MRI and they even ended up doing a lumbar spine puncture on me um but they couldn't find any medical reason um in any of these tests so they ended up referring me to the psychiatric hospital there and when we looked back through my records we actually found a lot of things that um should have, should have indicated a medical reason um, further looked into. Mm. Um, like I had ANA, um, which is an autoimmunity marker. Right. Um, and a neurologist had even made a note of like, I had a, symptoms that warranted um, investigation for the anti-NMDA autoimmune encephalitis. Um, and that's why I, they did the lumbar puncture, but they didn't find anything So then um, in the psychiatric hospital, they gave me the label of bipolar once again. And I was there for two weeks um, in the hospital at 19 with, um, they didn't allow parents or anything. So it was like a really traumatic experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then I was finally able to come home um, and I was home for a month, but then um, the medications weren't helping. So I went back there for another two weeks. And then by the time... Um, I came home I, I had been they tried all the kinds of different psychiatric medications during my stay. and so I was literally so fatigued. I would stay on the couch too weak to even like walk a few steps, basically, feeling no purpose to live, very depressed and hopeless at the time. And thankfully, we had a really rare like good psychiatrist who could see that these medications were causing me harm. And Mm -hmm. so she started to lower the dose for me. And the other thing we were investigating at this time was my hormones had been really high. And it seemed like whenever I would have a flare of my symptoms, it was always like around the time of my period. So we were trying to look into like, could there be a connection? Mm -hmm. And so we went to an endocrinologist and they referred us to have an ACTH stimulation test to rule out a cortisol disorder. Like Addison's or Cushing's disease. Mm-hmm. And when my results came back, they were abnormal. And so the endocrinologist referred us to Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. And so then we had appointments with endocrinology and psychiatry in Mayo Clinic. And um, in the endocrinology, they said I could maybe have PCOS, maybe not, and that my case was a mystery. And then in the psychiatry department, they um, very quickly labeled me with bipolar again because of the symptoms. And they wanted me to start a really high dose of lithium that would Mm. require blood work monitoring for organ damage because of the high dose. Yeah. Yeah. And so we left um, with no answers. We We had felt like we weren't being heard and that we were treated as a number and not like an individual person. And Mayo had been like our last hope at the time, like, they're always mm-hmm. the people that seem to find answers for these rare diseases. And so we came home, like, not sure what to do. Um, my psychiatrist finally lowered me completely off the low dose of Abilify I was on at the time. It was like a dose equivalent to what they give anxiety patients. Okay. Um, she had she had been kind of waiting for, like, Mayo Clinic to give her direction. And when they weren't, she's like, well, this, I can see the side effects are really um, affecting you. So... Um, and after we stopped those uh, my energy and will to live started to come back. So we could see um, that the psychiatric medications were actually causing those directly. Mm-hmm. So then we did a CT scan looking for hormone um, producing tumors. Cause my hormones had been so high and it didn't show anything, but then we ended up redoing a lab panel called the ZRT lab and it was in place of doing the CT scan again, because it should would show um, markers that would indicate whether I had this hormone tumor, because that's what we thought I had at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: when the lab tech, um, they do a consult with the doctor going over the patient's um, results, and my results were basically normal. But when they were talking to my doctor, they're like, hey, um, her presentation uh, sounds a lot like pans and pandas. Have you ever heard of it or looked into it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's where the pans pandas like came in.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: So it was like a very, like, it was a God thing, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. So then we got a call from our doctor and she told us that um, what the lab person had said about pans pandas. So of course we had never heard of it. So we like were looking it up and reading the symptoms. And like every single symptom, we're like, oh, my gosh, I had that, I had that. Um, it matched me like pretty much completely. Mm-hmm. So then my doctor ordered like the main infections, um, like the Coxsackie strep, mycoplasma, Epstein-Barr test. And when those results came back, I was high in so many of them. Um, and like the mycoplasma was very elevated and active currently. And so then she went ahead and ordered the Cunningham panel from Moleculara Labs. Mm-hmm. And while we were waiting for that to come back, I was investigating um, all I could about pans and pandas. And I had heard of the book Brain on Fire by okay. Susanna Cahalan. And I was reading through her story and so many of the symptoms matched um, with her story too, that it, Um, gave me hope that I could actually get better. Um, And at the time, it gave me a purpose that one day I would be able to write my book and help other people the way reading her book at that time, I was so sick, helped me. And then when my Cunningham panel results came back, four out of five of the things were off the charts high. Like one of them was at 128,000, when the highest range the chart would show was 32,000. Oh, wow. And a normal person was supposed to be between 250 and 1000. So I was literally 127,000 higher than I should have been. Mm-hmm. And so then the nurse from Molecular Labs actually talked to my doctor and um, to like review the test. And she said that in over 15,000 Cunningham panels she'd seen, mine was the highest. And she wasn't sure how at the time it was functioning or even getting out of bed. It was mm-hmm. so bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we then started antibiotics, and we're searching for a pans panda specialist. And we thought we had found one. And we went to a rheumatologist, and they did all the rheumatology blood work. And then they wanted to treat me with immunosuppressants um, and chemotherapy drugs that would be lifelong, have really high side effects. And then she focused, because she was a rheumatologist, um, she focused on arthritis, and I had never complained of joint pain or anything, Mm -hmm. she didn't bring up how to treat the infections or PANS besides confirming I had it. So we ended up leaving that um, appointment and never going back. And um, we were still looking for a doctor. And this time we knew we um, were investigating their treatment before we went to from -hmm. that experience. And so in fall of 2021, I actually had another flare and my doctor referred us to Dr. Scott Antoine Mm -hmm. at the center for fully functional health in Carmel, Indiana. And, um, so when I was still in a flare, I, we had our first zoom appointment and he was able to establish my history, like symptoms. And then later that month, we actually went up to Carmel, Indiana to have an in-person appointment. And he did more testing like mold, Lyme, nutrition, Infections. I think there were like 20 tubes of blood that first appointment. And he was able to see through the testing that um, mold and mycoplasma, pneumonia were likely the triggers of PANS. So that's like a really long um, answer to your question. Um, no, that's wow. I so
0: appreciate you sharing all of that with us. And it definitely sounds like such a long and Painful and challenging road to you know kind of getting that help and and treatment in the end. and i yeah, I just I feel for you and your family in terms of how tough that must have been.
1: yeah, it was definitely a very long um, process to get um, the help we needed. And you know, unfortunately,
0: so many people that I've talked to have such a long process as well. I mean, yours is, is very lengthy, definitely um, longer than what we went through. And in terms of the severity of um, the, the different symptoms and, and then the medications that these seem to be quite severe that, that you were given as well throughout the time. So um, definitely, definitely seems very challenging and, um, yeah, I, I'm overwhelmed, honestly, just hearing it all. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy
1: experience.
0: Absolutely. And so you mentioned then the diagnosis was PANS from the mold initially from mycoplasma and pneumonia,
1: you said? Um, the mycoplasma and pneumonia. Is yeah. Like, yeah. And then the college was the mold exposure that triggered it originally. Ah,
0: okay. So, so. once you were there. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: And so... At
0: this point, since, you know, starting treatment, have you continued to have flares or are things kind of settling into more of a routine?
1: Um, Ever since we started with Dr. Scott, I haven't had another flare. Um, I think once we knew what the problem was and started um, being able to treat it and working with someone who knew, like, had experience with it, um, Mm -hmm. I've just continued to get better like sometimes we'll have setbacks, like I might react to a medication, but then we can just communicate with the doctor and he's, Dr. Scott's been wonderful with helping us work through um, everything. And I basically been able to be back to like full energy and doing all the different things. Um, Very shortly after like starting on the treatment, I noticed a, a huge improvement, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm that's great and yes we did have um dr scott and
0: ellen antoine on the show earlier and certainly um yeah there if if others want to check out the episode with them i could put that in the show notes because they had a lot to say in terms of their their mode for treatment um in terms of your treatment is there anything that you felt was like a game changer obviously getting the proper diagnosis would probably be one but um anything that you kind of want to highlight that you've done or you know that you felt got you closer to where you needed to be
1: yeah i think definitely the right doctor so once we um got to dr scott um and he knew how to treat um that was just huge just finding the right doctor but to get there Um, I think the infection test and the Cunningham panel were super helpful because they showed that I had an actual medical issue going on because we kept Mm -hmm. getting labeled with bipolar or psychiatric, and that wasn't helpful because that's not what I had. Mm -hmm. Um, I think definitely antibiotics and herbals have been helpful. Um, I had a flare or at my last flare, when we knew I had PANS, I was able to start an antibiotic, um, and steroid burst right away. And that Mm -hmm. kind of brought me out of it way faster than previously. Um, and we've also like used ibuprofen before. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in terms of like prescriptions, uh, the low dose niltrexone, um, I'm on as an immune modulator, like a really low dose. And that has been really helpful, I think. And then other game changers during the time I was going through it, um, I actually did some counseling and that mm-hmm. really helped me pull out of like the really depression and like the why me victim mentality mm-hmm. um, and realize that this illness didn't have to define me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. The counseling kind of
0: going along with it. And I'm sure. Was there, there a point once you finally found a doctor that could recognize what you were doing? Like, did you feel sort of relief or what was that like in terms of being like, well oh, wow, we are actually gonna have somebody understand us now?
1: Yeah, it was crazy because I think um just knowing like we had heard Dr. Scott's story with his daughter and mm-hmm. she had pandas and um, i'm from a summer camp as well right yeah it was very similar he yeah. said like i reminded um of his daughter's story and like she played soccer she was actually like my age and so that gave us um some peace of mind but also when we went to dr scott he helped me realize i had been living in fear of like going into the next flare because mm-hmm. i had been living so long with not knowing why this was happening so he was able to really help work me through that and yeah, I just had so much confidence in his, like his daughter had it. He treated her. She was doing well. And it made sense for the first time, like his approach. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. That must have kind of allowed you to almost relax a little or let your guard down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helped me get out of that fear mindset that I was living in for so long. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure even
0: a certain amount. I know we've experienced where like when you've been to so many doctors, like you do start to, you know, not believe that they're going to be able to help you, you know, even before you go, like I've had that where we're going to go to an appointment. And I'm like, I don't even know what the point is to go here. I, (laughs) I don't think this is going to help. It's probably just going to become an issue. Like, um, so I could see, you know, that that builds up over time as well.
1: Yeah. And it was definitely that way with all the like psychiatric labels. Like mm-hmm. they didn't even seem to consider a medical reason once they heard my symptoms. It was just, yeah, that's that matches our criteria for bipolar.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And do you think at all that like your age and gender played into that? I mean, with my son's experience, he was so young. So it was so easy to see such an abrupt onset and a difference, right? Like we're dealing with a six-year-old. Normally they're pretty happy-go-lucky and it we could really see a sharp change in terms of his personality. But I'm just wondering if there is a certain amount where, you know, with the fact that you were a female, you were a teen, you know, was there any amount of kind of uncertainty in terms of your symptoms from, from the
1: medical profession? Um, I think the only one that our one psychiatrist who we actually went to first because she had a daughter, right. And I think she was the only one who, and our primary care doctor both thought there was a medical reason. But I think also like with pans, people usually, and pandas, people usually assume it's like, it happens when you're a kid. Mm
0: -hmm. And because
1: I was 17 when it happened, I, I think they just thought it fit right in with the criteria with like, yeah, she's probably just developing bipolar. It can happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, but everyone who knew me, it was like a very sudden change and even like friends who went with me at the camp were like ended up later telling my mom or like even Mm -hmm. calling her because I was just not like me. They knew something was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good that you had that support. And I mean, thinking of,
0: kind of um, your support system. Is there anything I know, a lot of parents listen to this podcast, and they're looking for kind of advice in terms of relating to their children that might be having pandas pans or even other experiences and i wondered do you have any thoughts in terms of what you could share having gone through it yourself to to help us to
1: understand a little bit more sure yeah um so i think the hardest part is that um when you're in a flare like sometimes you don't even realize you're in it or you really can't control the different behaviors and i think for parents like don't take it personally like sometimes um like for me it was like i didn't even always realize what was going on or i would use language i would never have used um or was very aggressive and they like they literally can't control it most times um and i think another thing from my experience is just be very cautious of the psychiatric system because so many of the symptoms of PANS and PANDAS can be mis- er, mislabeled with all kinds of different things. And if that's not the real issue and it, PANDAS or PANS is, then that's not going to help. And the medications can actually do more harm than good. And then I'd encourage parents, like, um, take the illness seriously. Um, mm-hmm. Don't wait for treatment because the flares can actually, um, the behaviors that happen in flares can be very dangerous. To the ch- children and to other people um so finding the right doctor um and just knowing that their child can get better that this isn't forever and um that they the child they knew was in there and they want to like they don't want this to happen either um mm-hmm. and i guess like for the family that it's trauma for the whole family. I know like our whole family went through so much tra- trauma with the, that experience and just making sure everyone like is able to work through it afterwards. Because, Yeah. And, and you mentioned
0: counseling, um, you know, for yourself that, yeah, I could see that being really helpful. And certainly I've had to do that um, myself around my son's disorder,
1: just um, at times when things were just so stressful Uh, It almost like gives the whole family PTSD with it. Like uh, for a while, they'll be like looking for the next flare, like symptoms. And Mm -hmm. especially when you don't know what you're dealing with.
0: Well, and then the moment something seems a little bit off. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh, no, is this happening again? Are we back where, you know, we were before? What's going to make it different? Like you kind of go down that rabbit hole very quickly of worry and fear of of the flare.
1: Yeah. And it's like a hard balance because like the, my, even my parents were able to catch it ahead of time and me with like my eyes were dilated and the OCD, but mm-hmm. then, and like help me get on antibiotics right away. But then you also don't want to live in fear of it. And like always like thinking the little things are it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what's so hard. Like I find I actually, um, you know, I got better, but like the first few times it would be like, a little bit later you know like either a couple of days and then you're finally like oh my goodness we're dealing with a flare here because you're racking your brain going what's going on like none of these things really add up and then it's like oh my gosh yeah okay (laughs) we (laughs) wait a second um and and i always sort of feel feel honestly dumb after when i figure it out but then it's like you just don't always see it coming it can be so sneaky um And, and, and it doesn't always present the same. I mean, you kind of mentioned that in your story, like each of your flares even had, you know, slightly different things going on. Right.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And they seem to get worse each time. Yeah. Um, And sometimes I wouldn't even realize it was a flare. Like during the first time I just, I just thought I was like so happy and like, or I, you can't even see it when it's happening to you sometimes. So that's, what's so difficult. Mm hmm.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and then, in terms of life at this point, like, have you kind of been able to go back to things? Like, are you able to, you know, complete your college? Things like that. Like,
1: how are you feeling these days? Um, these days, I'm feeling really good. Um, I've actually been able to start playing soccer again, and I had to take a break for that for a, from that for a long time mm-hmm. um, to just heal. And I've actually been I haven't gone back to college, but I've been doing a ton of like learning online with like health and Mm -hmm. um, actually focusing a lot on pans and pandas and those kind of conditions to see where um, I want to invest my studies, I guess hmm. Yeah, no, that's excellent. And
0: there is so much to learn for sure on Pandas Pans. I think it could easily be a PhD for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and who knows, maybe you'll end up, you know, working in this field as you get older. Um, I know that a lot of your research, you've been focusing on raising awareness. And so why don't you tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing um, around your blog and everything else?
1: Yeah. So I ended up starting a blog because, um, I wanted to share my story and, um, help people be aware of like pants and pandas and autoimmune encephalitis and basal ganglia encephalitis, um, so that they wouldn't have to experience what I went through and that they could hopefully, um, get early diagnosis and treatment because they had heard of it. Um, and so I try to share different resources that I find, found helpful and encouraging, as well as more of my story on my blog. And eventually I hope to share other people's Pandas and Pans stories on there as well. And then other things for awareness. Um, this year, my family and our Christmas newsletter, we actually um, wrote about my story and what Pans and Pandas is just to um, help people be more aware of what had happened to me. and. Mm-hmm. in case maybe they meet someone that this hap- is happening to them. And um, I've also been able to connect with a few PANS, PANDAS patients, which has been really um, like so therapeutic, honestly, like being able to relate to someone who's gone through something similar. Mm-hmm. And then my goal now this summer is to start writing my experience as a book. Um, Cause brain on fire, when I was going through that, um, it really inspired me to help. Like I can get better. She got better. And I hope I can do that as well for someone.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing for sure. And, and I can totally see what you're saying in terms of being able to speak to people who do know what you're talking about. Um, it's definitely therapeutic. And even for myself, learning about different Facebook groups and things like that, where mothers are, and parents just generally are talking about what they've been going through, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, there are other people out there. It's it's huge. Um, and I definitely commend you for sharing and educating with your family. I know that was really tough. Like I felt for a while that I could own it in terms of maybe the community and in terms of our treatment and then even working with teachers. but it was like a whole other level to try to educate family and friends and really explain like what's been going on. Um, I think there's such a kind of hidden hidden piece in this disorder because you know things just often you're not out there talking about it as it's happening. You're so immersed in dealing with it. Um, yeah So I think yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but that's really, yeah, brave for sure
1: it definitely took me a while to get to the point where i was um comfortable like mm-hmm. telling my story cuz i was so like embarrassed and ashamed for so long cuz i didn't know what was happening to me and it was just um once i learned that oh i d- this doesn't have to define me and i can actually help people mm-hmm. i was a lot more open with my story
0: yeah absolutely and writing a book that sounds amazing and i'm sure sure you'll do a great job <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> Um I wondered if you have at this point like any other either tools or advice or thoughts generally that you want to share that maybe we haven't covered throughout the interview yet.
1: Yeah. I just want to encourage the um like parents or the people with this um that they can get better and that this isn't going to last forever. There's definitely hope and um I definitely saw improvement once I started treatment. And, um, I'd say to don't give up, like make sure you are looking for the root cause because Mm -hmm. if we hadn't advocated for ourselves or my parents hadn't advocated for me, I would have gone down the wrong road. Um, and so the right testing, like with infections or molds, um, is so important, uh, different tools. I know Dr. Scott has a ton of good articles on Pans Pandas on his website and, I've also recently read Dr. Jill Krista and Nancy O'Hara as books, which were really helpful. Um, I think I have some resources on my a page on my blog, too. Okay, yeah, we can connect to those. That might be one of the easier ways
0: to do it for sure yeah within the show notes and yeah absolutely i read dr nancy o'hara's book i still haven't read um dr krista's um i read her break the mold book and interviewed her on that piece but um Mm -hmm. not yet on the panda's pants side and you know she talked a little bit about it um and and her experience with it when i
1: met with her but um yeah i definitely want to get into that one as well Yeah. Oh, and your podcast has been so helpful. Like all the pandas and pans, doctors you've interviewed, and even the other people I've like gone through and listened to so many and learned different things from each one.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Oh, that's, that's my one hope, right? I just, I I started into this just thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be a dream to speak with somebody that could you know explain things to me and and then it just kind of spiraled to like you know getting lots of different experts on and parents and I'm really pleased you know to be able to have you on today because it's just it's such a different perspective um you know what we we've talked to different parents who can kind of give that personal but it's still removed right that you know and and Mm -hmm. hearing from you it's kind of that firsthand experience of what things were like and how it's going now and and how challenging this can be yeah
1: I was so excited when you asked because um your podcast is like my favorite podcast to listen to so it was a big honor (laughs) that's so nice
0: I appreciate that so much um and so, maybe this is a great time that you can explain how listeners can find out more about you. Like, is there places um, on social media? Maybe you can give the website and stuff for the blog.
1: I'm sure, yeah. Uh, my blog is shine a light on panspandas.wordpress.com. And there's like a contact page there with a Gmail address. I'm not really on any other social media because I had to get off when my flares mm-hmm. all started because it was just too stimulating. But yeah. you could definitely find me on my blog. Um, that's great. And yeah. Is there a, like, and there's probably
0: a connect kind of button there or something?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, and if they want to reach out or even if someone wants to share their story, I'd be happy to listen or even share it on my blog. Oh, that's great. I'm sure others will be interested to do that for sure. Wonderful. Well, Kira.
0: Thank you so much for sharing today. I I think it's so brave of you to be out there starting to, um, you know, as you say, shine a light on Pandas Pans because it's it is so challenging. And I think we're kind of getting to that age where some of the people that have been experiencing this are now able to find their voice. And and it's just it's wonderful to see and hear. And I'm always here anytime that you want to. um, you know, chat or promote anything that you've got going on or definitely uh, with the book, everything like that. uh, Let me know because
1: it's so important for people to hear from you. Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. It means a lot to me.
0: Thank you so much to Kira Dugan for being part of the podcast. What an amazing story to share with everyone. I know for myself, I saw so much of our story in Kira's story as well. And I think that's why I'm so happy to bring these for these stories forward because I know there is such a strength in seeing what others have dealt with seeing how they were able to work through it learning trying new things hearing from others that's really how we get that community piece and I know that's what Kira is trying to do on her blog shine a light on pans um I also noted that she mentioned working with Dr. Scott Antoine. If you do want to hear more from Dr. Scott and Ellen, they are in episode 50 of the Learning to Slay the Peace podcast, where they talk about their uh, treatment style and their experience with Pans Pandas as well. So definitely go and check that out. Um, I so much appreciate Kira opening up and really sharing with us everything that she's um, dealt with and how they finally got towards a diagnosis and got towards help. I think, like I said, it's just so helpful for everybody. Um, Also appreciate her sharing the things that are personally helpful for her. And um, I really wish her the best of luck in terms of working on her blog and all the work she's doing to raise awareness. I can only hope that Uh, my children end up in a similar situation where they are willing to share with others and willing to uh, really try to advocate for this and make sure that um, we continue to try to find treatment and connect with each other. I think it's just such an amazing thing that she's doing with her time and again, really appreciated meeting with Kira and hope to do so possibly again in the future. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I hope you found it useful. If you do want to reach out um, to me, I can also connect you with Kira um, or check out her blog at panspandas.wordpress.com. Thanks so much and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at SarahLadyGluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore gluten-free Lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se-german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit kofi ko com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.